If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. Uh, We are at four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. Eastern time here on Wednesday night on the uh, east coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show and watching, if you're with us live, the Steve Malzberg Show. Lots going on Um, as we speak. We have another GOP presidential debate. We will uh, certainly review that in full, hopefully tomorrow uh, with our friend Jeffrey Lord. And today we had a lot of action going on in Washington and a lot of non-action going on in Washington and in the House. And Biden gave us uh, uh, held up, uh, gave a, a short speech and answered some questions. And um, it's all uh, it's all here. And we're going to talk about it. We welcome in for the first time to the show, former U.S. Congressman Robert Pittenger, uh, author of Character Matters, Personal Stories of 31 World Changers. And I should add that the congressman uh, served the great state of uh, North Carolina, um, even though I believe, Congressman, you are originally from Texas, correct? Yes, sir. I'm a Longhorn. Yes, indeed. OK, well, uh, I love I love Texas. Um, that aside, welcome aboard. Thank you. I want to get to the book because I think it's fascinating and I do want to talk about some of the people that, uh, that you write about. Uh, but let's talk about um, your old stomping grounds, if you will. And that's the uh, the House of Representatives. First of all, are you surprised at all? And what's your reaction to the fact that Kevin McCarthy uh, will be leaving uh, the House at the end of this uh, calendar year? Well, no, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Kevin strove to be leader. He worked hard at it for a long time, uh, decades. And uh, at the end of the day, he was taken out. And I, I think it's... Uh, to be put in a position, in a lesser position of just a member of Congress, he probably thinks I've got better things to do with my time now. So it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, when you see the reaction to uh, Speaker Johnson uh, it, it, from the media, and it's kind of married to or in coordination with the newest attacks on, on Donald Trump, uh, which I didn't think could get revved up any more than they've been over the past uh, eight years about, uh, and that is that he's a dictator. He's going to assassinate people or, or should I say execute people? Uh, he's going to put people in jail. He's going to close down MSNBC and other networks. You know, he's going to be and he's already is Hitler. Uh, but Johnson, they're attacking, of course, on uh, for in his own right, uh, you know, his Christian beliefs, which seems to be fair game among the media and the left. Um, are, you, are you surprised how viciously they've been going after him? No, I'm not surprised by it. Uh, it's, you know, the tragedy of our day in terms of uh, these kind of attacks. Mike Johnson is one of the most wonderful people I know. He is an absolute principled individual. He doesn't come to the position with a big ego. He's a, a fair guy. He's a true believer in the sense that he lives out his faith. He doesn't preach it. He lives it. And uh, if you've been around Mike Johnson much at all, you'll like him. Uh, friend or well, foe, you can't, be, you can't have any animus against him. He's, a, he's just a wonderful person. And let me ask you, uh, and, and plus, I believe, I mean, not that it should matter, but it matters the other way to the, to the left. 
I mean, I believe he has a a, a, a adopted son of color, which, you know, I, it, it's hard to paint somebody. And I, I don't know that they've tried this because of it, but, they, you know, they would just as soon label him a racist along with everything else. Uh, but when that's the case, it's it's a little hard to do that, although Donald Trump has Jewish a Jewish daughter, a Jewish son-in-law, Orthodox, by the way, and Jewish grandchildren. He did so much for Israel. And of course, he's Hitler. So it, it, it doesn't stop them. No, it doesn't. But, you know, this is street fighting. Uh, you don't look for fair game. When people have the shell game they want to play, uh, they throw whatever rock they, they can find to throw, regardless of reality. Reality doesn't have anything to do with it. If your position is different than mine, and I can throw a rock at you and and, and hit you with something in some disparaging way, well, uh, I'll do it. That's how they think. Uh, yeah. It's dirty pool. And, you know, for the most part, thoughtful, conservative people, and a lot of them, some of them do th- like to throw rocks, but we try to reason with people. Well, it's, it, it's the old game of don't confuse me with the facts. They don't want to hear facts. Uh, they just want to throw the rocks. And the Republicans are not good at playing that game, unfortunately. They give up on issues like abortion. They concede it. They're afraid of it. Uh, when if they would speak to the public, overwhelmingly, the public favors restrictions on abortion. And of course, every Democrat says, don't tell a woman what to do with her body, which means no restrictions. Uh, but they don't they don't know how to argue the case. They, they, and it's not only abortion. And it's been that way for a, lo- a long time. Do you agree with that? Oh, yes, sir. I I think we have a hard time of uh, clarifying uh, our views in a way that doesn't seem like it's impugning uh, the integrity or the interest of other people. Uh, You know, you you can't. There's certain words that are flash words. Ban is a flash word. There's other ways to say the same thing without using the word ban. And so uh, it's these nuances make a difference in the art of communication. Good, good, good. Okay, well, let me let me ask you two more, and then we'll get uh, uh, to the book. And um, uh, we have uh, the Ukraine issue. The president made a speech today, uh, saying that Republicans are shirking the responsibility. They're putting our national security at risk because they're trying to to tie the aid to Ukraine to to the border uh, and border security, which is what Biden did in the first place. He he introduced the bill that gave aid to Israel, to Ukraine and border security, which is really nothing more than more lawyers and and, and more judges. It's that has nothing to do with border security. And that's what the Republicans want. Uh, but do you do you agree with uh, the Republicans who say that we need an end game? I mean, I mean, today, Biden doubled down, tripled down. We got to beat Putin. Putin can't win, blah, 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 blah. I mean, don't we need to find a way out of all of this? Well, yes, several things I'd say to that. Uh, Donald Trump made a, a position himself well in Europe by getting Europe to ante up on NATO. I've done the right thing in behalf of Ukraine. We put in, what, $80 billion or so of arms. Well, you know, the Europeans need to play a stronger role. Not that we're going to totally back away, but I think there should be more pressure on Europe to pick up this responsibility. Yes, it is a threat to the world. Putin's a threat to the world and a a threat to America, but uh, it is a vital interest to Europe and a greater threat to Europe 
we have a larger framework of issues that we need to work around, particularly relative to China. And we better be thinking about how we're preparing our military, uh, our, uh, our ships, all of our uh, technologies, everything, quantum computing, AI, everything, resource. We are in a battle for the future. And this is the decade that's going to determine it, I really believe. And, and Wall Street needs to make up its mind, uh, whether it's for America or if it's going to continue to try to make money off propping up China. We wouldn't have done that in the 1930s, knowingly, to prop up Germany to do what it attempted to do in the 1940s. So yeah. Yeah. China is not a competitor. They're a major adversary. No, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, kind of segues into my, my next question. By the way, we're talking to uh, former Congressman Robert Pittenger. His book, Character Matters, Personal Stories of 31 World Changers. Um, let me ask you about, I don't know if you watched it, but we played a lot of it uh, for, from at least, uh, especially the questions asked by Elise Stefanik, uh, to three heads of uh, universities, Harvard, MIT, and University of Pennsylvania about anti-Semitism on campus. And the answers that were given by these three women were so egregious, outrageous, and, and uh, unreal that it's like, what? How, how could they get away with it? What planet are we on? And of course, if you substituted anti-Semitism uh, and put in the word or the, the phrase um, anti-trans or anti-Black, protests and threats and all that, I'm sure they would not be saying the same things. I'm sure the colleges would not be behaving the same way. What's your take on what those women said and basically saying, unless unless you know there is genocide of Jews on campus, they could say whatever they want? Yeah. Well, it goes, remember Jack Nicholson, A Few Good Men? The truth, yeah. you can't handle the truth. Right, yeah. That's where <laughs> these folks are. They don't want to know truth. Uh, they're not. It is a mentality that is bent way to the far left. And whatever they need to do to justify that, they'll do it. You know, education is a means to the end. Media is a means to the end. Uh, politics is a means to the end of seeking to make your point of view the dominant viewpoint, regardless of the facts. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And quickly, there's a, like I said, the debate is going on right now. There's down to four candidates. Of course, Donald Trump's not there. He's he's the fifth and the first, if you will, candidate on the Republican side. Um, do you think you know? There's a lot of talk about Nikki Haley um, if she has a strong showing in 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 Iowa. Uh, what's your take on where we are with this race? Is it a fait accompli? Well. Obviously, we all recognize that there are 30% of America that will walk on hot coals for Donald Trump. Uh, they will, no matter what, thick and thin, he owns them. And to move the needle of those people, it was going to be very, very difficult. Uh, I, I think certainly Nikki is making her case. And I came in with Ron DeSantis. He's an extremely bright guy. Uh, he's learning the art of communication a little bit better. Uh, he's not a Bill Clinton. He's not a Ronald Reagan in terms of the, the warmth, the poise, the presence. 
of identifying with other people. You know, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, even Trump in his brusque way identifies with the common guy. And, oh, yeah. you know, he's he's unique. But uh, they want somebody who who's thinking about where they're living. And Trump knows how to get inside of them. He's brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've known Trump since my sports days. Before Sports Talk Radio, back in the early 80s, he bought the USFL uh, Jersey Generals, and I was doing sports in New York. We had a sports talk show, and he came on it, and and we started. We did our shows from Trump Plaza before fights at Trump Plaza, like two days leading up to the fight. So I've, I've known him for a, a long, long time. And when I was at Newsmax and he was running for president, I had him on several times during the campaign. He... He's he's a piece of work, but he does have that appeal. And and I I I, I wish sometimes he would say different things. But um, man, if 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 the left wins, if if they if if it is Biden, and they let Biden and Biden wins, and then resigns and gives it to Kamala Harris, this country it, this country is over as we know it. Is it not? That's a that's a terrible thought. I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Sorry to do that. <laughs> No, this woman is not the brightest star, and um, her viewpoint is so extreme to the left that um, the, the values of this country would just be uh, upended. Yep. All right. Let's talk about character and how character matters. Character matters is the name of the book, as we've uh, we've mentioned. And I, I I have to start. I mean, there's so many people in here that. Uh, that I admire and that I'd love to hear a lot about, but I, I let me start with, and it probably is no surprise. I'm sure most people who talk to you, who have my political beliefs, would agree, um, uh, and, and want to start with Ronald Reagan. Again, here's another guy who, of course, he was an actor, uh, and Trump was high profile outside of politics before he started, and 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 they both have separate ways about them, but Reagan had a way about him and one in a landslide for re-election. So talk about talk about Ronald Reagan and, and character and what it meant. Well, all of the stories that we write about, you know, Reagan, Thatcher, Gorbachev, Shimon Perez, uh, you know, Nehemiahu, Tom Landry, many people from walks of life. What we're trying to bring out and do bring out are the qualities that enable them to have very impactful lives. Think about it. Ronald Reagan was a farm boy. I mean, small town from Iowa. And then he emerged one of the greatest leaders of the century. How did just an ordinary kid from a small town in Iowa become this magnanimous leader? Well, it was a character of Ronald Reagan. And the times I was with President Reagan from beginning in 1980, I organized a major event for him in Dallas, the Reunion Arena, called the National Affairs Briefing. We brought in 22,000 Christian people from 36 states, which really organized the first time the evangelicals to get involved in the vote. And uh, so uh, Reagan, I remember his comment was, um, you know, you can't endorse me, but I can endorse you. And he identified with their values. And uh, Reagan, you know, he was a man who no one ever questioned the, his commitments. But Ronald Reagan was the man who spoke softly, like Harry Truman, like Teddy Roosevelt. You speak softly and you carry a big stick. Yep. When I first met Gorbachev, I asked Gorbachev, I said, what did you think of Ronald Reagan when you met him? He said, 
air traffic controllers. And of course, three months into Reagan's presidency, the air traffic controllers. He laid them all off, yeah. Said, said we're going to go on strike. He said, well, okay, if you go on strike, I'll fire you. And they went on strike, and he fired them. Didn't yep. get on the TV and make a big taunt about it. He just did what he said he would do. That made a big impression on Mikhail Gorbachev. Yes. Wow. He knew he was a man who meant what he said. Margaret Thatcher was another person with, with convictions of leadership, unlike anyone I've ever met. When I first met her, I said, Lady Thatcher, we know you are the Iron Lady. You were there when the wall came down. You fought the liberals. You fought the socialists. You prevailed against enormous headwinds, even with your own party. What we don't know is what made you Margaret Thatcher. What gave you the stamina, the fortitude, the, the ability to pursue and, and continue in the midst of all this struggle and all these people against you? She said, Robert's my father. My father, he was a Methodist minister. He took me to church and built my foundation in Christianity. But he taught me three things about leadership. And the first thing he taught me was, number one, determine the right thing to do. Number two, with your whole heart, commit yourself to that objective. And number three, with all your persuasion, seek to bring your friends, your colleagues to join you. So wow. succinct, but very profound. Well, let's move forward 20 years. I'm elected to the U.S. Congress. I was with her the first time in 1993. I was with her a number of times, but that's when I asked her that question. So in 2013, I'm elected. We're up at Harvard. They're trying to indoctrinate the you know, 85 new members. And Joe Kennedy had us all go out to Fenway Park one night for dinner. No game, just see the dugout and, the, and uh, go in the uh, around the park, the ballpark. And anyway, on the way out, I rode in the bus with one of the UK members of Parliament who had come to observe us. And she was a member of Labor. And we chatted about some mutual friends. And finally, I got the courage to say, "What did you think of Margaret Thatcher?" Expecting the darts to fly. She said, God bless her. She saved our country. She had the wow. guts to do and the courage to do what my party didn't have the guts to do. And that wow. sunk in me. So, again, it's these principles, it's these character traits of all these people. They all were outstanding individuals, but they were because of who they are and who they were as people. These, yeah, these are great stories. And, and let me let me ask you uh, one, one more Um being the the, the sports uh, connection, and you mentioned Fenway Park, and I told you about my sports background, uh, Joe Gibbs. Mm. Love Joe. Joe first spoke in our home in 1982. He had uh, just won the uh, uh, NFL you know, championship. Right. And, uh, and I was he there. <laughs> had, he, was, he was coach of the year, and he came to our home. We had 500 people in our backyard for a luau members of Congress and their wives. This is in McLean. And we had just moved in the house, uh, been there three days, literally. Uh, but Joe came and spoke and uh, gave his testimony. He was profound. And so we become, we've been friends ever since then. And it happened that he left football, got into NASCAR, moved to Charlotte. We had already moved to Charlotte. And so we, our friendship has continued through the years with he and Pat, and of course, they went through an enormous struggle in the last two years, losing both their sons at the same age, yeah. 58 and uh, 48. Uh, very sad, but a man of great faith and who whose whole life is 
there's been enormous track record of success. I mean, he's won three uh, NFL championships and uh, uh, seven NASCAR championships. Uh, but he, and he all, of course, in football, he did three different quarterbacks. I mean, he's just a great yeah. person, great leader. But there's qualities in his life. And obviously, he's a committed believer. And that gives him enormous strength and capacity and, and compassion. And, and so uh, Joe is one who has succeeded and he lives for eternity. Every dime that he makes in NASCAR goes to some type of Christian organization. That's great. That really is great. And I'll, I'll, I'll just leave by telling you real quick, the closest I, I ever got to Ronald Reagan, uh, I went with the uh, 69, uh, 69, I went with the 86 Mets uh, to the White House uh of course i didn't i didn't get to stand up on the podium with the mets uh but i i was there in the rose garden and it was uh it was like the thrill of a lifetime um but anyway um congressman thank you so much fascinating i hope you'll come back and and discuss the you know, the comings and goings of what's going on as we uh the campaign gets more heated and uh folks that the book again character matters personal stories of 31 world changers by uh, former Congressman Robert Pittenger. Thank you, Congressman. Really appreciate it. If they want to give that to a young aspiring person who wants to achieve in life, you know, something for Christmas, just go to Amazon, type in Character Matters, Personal Stories, and it'll come up. It it sounds like a great idea and a great gift. Have a Merry Christmas and a great New Year, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Take care. Robert Pittenger, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, what a a treat. Really a treat when I saw his name. and the book, and I was I I was able to get him. I said, I'm, I, I grabbed him. I grabbed him. Okay, we're not done with guests and George Floyd and what really happened. Okay, uh, what do we not know happened? What do they know that happened that we don't know? What about the stabbing? Of, uh, of 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 the police officer who who was charged with uh, Floyd's murder, he was stabbed twenty times or something. He's back in jail already. He recovered and he's back in jail. The whole me- the whole thing's messed up. Don't go away. Lots more ahead. Steve Malsberg right here on TNT Radio Vision. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym. Thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel ordered a coffee but while I was pumping fuel I started to get chest pains then it got worse and worse and worse so then I was leaning on the counter thinking yeah something's not quite right so then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really really hit and Joy just you know mouthed do you need an ambulance and I remember nodding I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here so when the cardiologist came to see me she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. Caution. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. All right, folks, uh, welcome back. Steve Malsberg here. And um, as I mentioned uh, before the uh, before the break, there's so many questions 
that are now out there with regard to the uh, the George Floyd uh, death and the convictions of the police officers. And now we have the stabbing uh, just seems like a couple of weeks ago. And he and, and Chauvin's already back in back in prison, which seems pretty bizarre to me. Um, and there is a, a, a very brave uh, woman who has uh, put together um, and, and has produced uh, a documentary, if you will, uh, The Fall of Minneapolis. Here, I want you to take a little look at uh, part of the trailer. George Floyd says, I got shot last time. I got shot the same way as always before. Did you shoot him? No, I didn't shoot him, no. You helped to train Officer Alex King. What did you think of him? I probably trained a few thousand people. He was probably one of the top two. Give me a minute. This call is from a federal prison. Hi, Derek, it's Liz. Okay, so there you have uh, part of it. Let's welcome in Liz Collin, Alpha News correspondent, Emmy Award-winning reporter and anchor, uh, a native of, of Minnesota, lives in the suburbs of the uh, Twin Cities, and as I mentioned, producer of The Fall of Minneapolis. It's a film that takes a look at what really happened in the George Floyd case. And uh, Liz, uh, congratulations. And, um, you know, you've been you've been getting a lot of attention uh, uh, from this, uh, not as much as I would like to see. Nonetheless, I, I really thank you for coming on. So what should the average person know uh, about the case that they probably do not know? Well, thank you, Steve, for, for having me here. Yeah, basically, uh, we, we start the film with with what people should have known all along, and that would be the, the body camera footage from this case. This is the first time um, that the body camera footage has been withheld uh, from the public uh, in, in a high profile incident. And there's a reason that, in my opinion, they, they kept this hidden as long as they did. It was nearly two and a half months before that came out. And even when it did, uh, so many people um, you know, we're, they were fixated on this uh, viral Facebook video, of course. Uh, so that's how we start the film. It's an 18 minute interaction with George Floyd that day. And there are many lies uh, told along the way. OK, and, and one of them, I believe, and I think it's it's great. I want you all to watch uh, uh, Chauvin's face when uh, when the police chief says this is not taught. Let's play again from the trailer. Uh, Sixty five. George Floyd. Murder. Murder and manslaughter. Murder of George Floyd. Peaceful protest overnight in the Twin Cities. They've been very peaceful. The crowd continues to be peaceful. 846, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. 9 minutes and 29 seconds. Actually, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. By the way, that particular technique is not authorized by the MMPD. Is this a trained Minneapolis Police Department technique? It is not. When I heard that, I really wanted to get up off my chair and yell, bullshit. From what I've seen of the videotape, the photograph, and the police training manual, they look pretty identical. Were you trained in MRT, the maximal restraint technique? Yes. 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 All the police officers were trained in the MRT. 
How did they get away with with the, the how did the police chief manage to get away with this? And where you know where what happened in the courtroom? I mean, were these witnesses that we just saw in your documentary were they presented? Was anybody presented to present the other side and say this guy's full of crap? Of course, it's taught. We all got taught it. Um, why would why would the police chief say no? It wasn't taught. So what happened? Did, did the jury ever? get the message that yes, indeed, it is taught? No, there are many questions. And really the the point of the film is to lay this all out because the story was really never told, I think, um, from beginning to where we are now. And that includes part of of what uh, the, the jury was allowed to see here. Not so much what they were allowed to see, I should say, but what they were not allowed to see. And that includes the training slide that contains the maximal restraint technique uh, known as MRT. The body cameras also capture the officers that day speaking of this, the, the MRT. Uh, so again, a reason that that, that was hidden. But no, uh, Judge uh, Peter Cahill did not allow um, MRT to be uh, part of the trial, which I realize um, you know, sounds pretty wild to, to anyone um, as they're as they're taking a look at at all of this, but um, you do have the the head of training under oath testify that that this is not how they train. Uh, you also again have the the chief of police saying that as well. And and we interviewed uh, more than a dozen uh, police officers for for the movie The Fall of Minneapolis. All of course testified that they were trained in MRT, and uh, that training dates back decades. Uh, the 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 I think the oldest uh, police training manual we we found was 1990. Three uh, that included uh, the maximal restraint technique inside of it. Was that reaction by uh, by Derek Chauvin, uh, where his eyes kind of raised, uh, you know, over, over the mask he was wearing? Um, w- w- was that actually in response to the p- the police chief on the stand saying, "No, it's not taught"? Was was that actually that reaction? Yes, that that is in fact his reaction, and also why we include his mother when we're talking um, about yes. that yes. that very part of of the um, you know the part of the that trial. She reacts and says, you know, she wanted to basically jump out out of her chair, and she you know right. makes a few choice right. words as well because she has Derek's training manuals, which she shows me uh, in the interview. That, that's just incredible. So, so first of all, give give us one more example of of uh, you know the, the truth not being out there i mean from what i've heard and what i've gathered from uh, what i've uh, seen and, and read about uh, your your movie i mean there were there were several uh, instances uh, um that, that in fact that um, uh, george floyd went through and claimed the same exact i can't breathe thing um i was uh, during a previous arrest am i is that correct yeah, Stephen, I um I have a book that I, that I put out originally uh, on all of this uh, last October. It's called "They're Lying: uh, The Media, the Left, and the Death of George Floyd." It was very easy to find a title for that book. I'll be honest, because I kept screaming that at the top <laughs> of my lungs um, that that they were lying. But but yeah, you're right. Uh, one of these one of these lies uh, of many is that uh, Minneapolis police had never heard of George Floyd before. They'd never had anything to do with him. Um, and this is what we're told the very next day. However, uh, George Floyd is the subject of an undercover drug investigation that takes place in 2019. He's arrested in May of 2019, almost exactly a year earlier. And if you play the body camera footage side by side from 2019 and 2020, they are eerily similar. Uh, he's saying the exact same things 
um, including, you know, that, that his mom recently passed away. You know, she had passed away two years earlier. Um, that he's putting drugs uh, in his mouth and, re and receives medical attention after that. And, and basically his life is saved at, at the hospital uh, after that arrest. But you're right. Yes. One of one of many lies. And, and, all right. So let's fast forward to um, uh, a few weeks ago, the end of November, November 20th, and the appeal of uh, uh, of Derek Chauvin's uh, conviction uh, for second degree murder uh, was uh, rejected um, by the um, the Supreme Court, I, I guess, without much comment. Um, why do you think that was with all the I would imagine that the appeal included all this, all the lies all the contradictory information, the information withheld, the information that was never heard, the lie, you know, the lie on the stand. Why do you think the court did not agree to hear it or or do anything about yeah, it? Actually, the uh, the appeal itself focused on the change of venue issue uh, that this appeal did with uh, Derek Chauvin's new attorney. Um, Bill Mormon is is his name, but but it really just focused on the trial should have been moved um, in in their opinion from the beginning. You know, it takes place in Hennepin County where all these riots uh, had had burned down. You know, parts of Minneapolis. Um, right. National Guard soldiers are on on guard there. There's barbed wire around the you know around the courthouse and such. So you had the Minnesota State Supreme Court uh, not go ahead and ap approve that appeal in the U.S. Supreme Court as well. They were obviously dis disappointed, uh, Chauvin and his attorney, but they did think it was a bit of a of a long shot as well, since the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't take so many cases. There are some new legal maneuvers after everything that's transpired. Um, in the last uh, month or so that they are exploring. So there, there certainly will be other, other opportunities for, for hopefully some, some more of this to come to light. What about the stabbing? Um, which, I mean, you stabbed that many times. I don't understand. You know, thank God he didn't die. And what about the fact that he's, he's already back in prison? I mean, I, again, I don't know what procedure is, but it would seem to me <laughs> he's back in the back in uh, the you know in 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 the same danger that he was in when he got stabbed. So what what yeah, what, what, what what was your reaction to all of that? Yeah, obviously uh, we were heartbroken to to hear the news. It's um, you know we we really you know Derek was able to kind of speak for the very first time in this film, and that was sort of the, the point of all of this too to give these officers uh, who have been imprisoned a, a voice, their families a voice. And because it, it seemed like the media didn't actually care about any of the, the cops who were affected uh, by this, the hundreds that obviously left the Minneapolis Police Department in the wake of all of this after being served up to, to the mob. But we have a, a big part of a theme of, of the movie is the FBI's involvement. And I don't think people were really fully aware um, the role the FBI played. They were called within just a couple hours of this happening. Um, on May 25th of 2020 in Minneapolis. And then you have uh, Derek Chauvin stabbed in prison nine days later after the film's release by a former FBI informant um, who says kind of some very rambling things uh, in, in you know the, the public paperwork that is out there about doing this for Black Lives Matter, despite him being a, a member of the Mexican mafia. There are still many questions that obviously uh, Derek Chauvin has facility in Arizona for 15 months now. Um, with with no incident, but yet then he's stabbed 22 times while he's making copies in in the library um, the day after Thanksgiving. So so it's a, a something we're continuing to track uh, at Alpha News, and um, obviously not the news any anyone really wanted here. And I think it really sends also a very a chilling message 
Uh, and why we think that this story was important to get out there, you know, is this really what we want our justice system to look like in this country? Yeah, well, there's a lot of examples of that lately. Let me ask you one one final question. Uh, jurors, did you speak to jurors? You know, there had been actually quite a bit out there um, on the jurors already. Uh, you, some questionable history, I should say, of some of them. You also have some some of them who even went ahead and asked off this case that had been well well documented before. So. Um, we, we did not for the film. I mean, we would have used them if, if we did. It was, uh, you know, we had nearly 18 people we did interview. So, you know, in any type of project, you have to kind of, you know, keep, keep uh, the, the scope in mind here as to how this all transpires. This could very well be a mini series by the end of, of all of this, I'm sure, as, as you know. And, and and what do you think his prospects are for or, or any of their prospects um, forever? having uh, an appeal be successful? You know, as, as, as a journal, the information out there, it is going to be up to somebody else uh, to, to come forward and, and do more here. I know that they, the attorneys exploring other legal avenues uh, would be nice, perhaps, if, uh, you know, politicians would, would care about this case. But I don't think things get better until the truth is told, to be quite honest, because this sent a message clearly to to law enforcement across the country. You know, they have to go to work every day, not only thinking, you know, they could possibly lose their, their life or their job, but they could lose their, their freedom, uh, you know, for, for following the, their policies. Um, and, and not many of us have to think about that uh, each and every day at our jobs. All right, Liz Collin, the book, uh, They're Lying, which has been out for a while. And, and how to tell people how they could see uh, the fall of Minneapolis. Yeah, I just want to make a note that the movie is free to, to view. We wanted to, we believe the truth should be free. It's what we should have been told all along about all of this, but it's the fall of Minneapolis.com. Uh, uh, so you can watch it on Rumble, YouTube. It's uh, on X as well. Easy to find. But we've had, I think, nearly four and a half million views so, so far. So people care about the truth, but we, we have a lot more work to do. Absolutely. Liz, thank you so much for your time and, and best of luck and congratulations and stay safe. Thank you. Right back at you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. All right, folks. Uh, Liz Collin uh, from Alpha News. Fascinating and, you know, surprising. Does anything surprise you anymore with the uh, the criminal justice system, the the two tiers? Uh, the the, uh, the please don't don't get me started on what's going on in the streets and on campuses and of course if it was the other way around or if it was Trump MAGA hat wearing uh, protesters. Uh, we know we know what would be happening uh, through the criminal justice system when they protested in front of the Supreme Court homes, uh, the justices homes, the conservative ones, when the uh, the um, Roe v. Wade decision was leaked. Um, not one arrest except the person who came to kill Brett Kavanaugh and didn't, thank God, but not one arrest when every one of those protesters was breaking the law, which says you can't protest outside uh, a, a judge's uh, home. Okay, on a federal level, certainly Supreme Court, whatever the, the law says, it was against the law. Nobody, nobody cared. No arrests. Why arrest them? Right. Anyway. All right, folks, we have one final segment left in the hour right here on TNT Radio Vision. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. These are parlous times for liberty in the United States and for the Constitution and the rule of law. House Republicans have joined with their Democrat colleagues to oust Republican Representative George Santos, 
only the sixth member to ever be removed from the lower legislative chamber. Three were removed in 1861 after they joined the Confederacy, and the other two following their convictions of the crimes of which they were accused. Santos has been accused of fraud crimes but not convicted. This is a premature, preemptive strike by Republicans on one of their own, and it sets a dangerous precedent. Now, I hold no grief for George Santos. He seems, quite frankly, like a wingnut. But it's up to the constituents of his district to remove him from office, absent a criminal conviction. This is just one more episode in the long history of Republicans bowing to Democrat will. It seems as though when Democrats win elections, they get their own way. And when Republicans win elections, Democrats still get their own way. This is why we're so upset with the Republican Party. Grow a pair, stand up, and say no to the other side. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling. But we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy and I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle, that even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're gonna figure it out together. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, folks, welcome back. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Steve M Talk um, and uh, on Instagram, Steve M Talk, facebook.com slash Steve M Talk. <laughs> I think uh, I think you're getting the hang of it. OK. All right. So let's start with Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who on one hand blasts Republicans, rips Republicans, and then you'll hear him say, ah, let's just put everything, all our differences aside. Yeah, you can't do that at the end of the speech after you gave the speech blaming them. And here it is, his call for the aid to Ukraine, which tonight, by the way, uh, the Congress blocked um, because they insist that there be, if you're going to take care of Ukraine's border and if you're going to help Israel, that you got to take care of our border. You have to take care of our border here in the United States. And Joe doesn't get it. We don't want more money appropriated for more lawyers. Uh, we want security. We want to prevent people from coming in, not, not legally representing them after they break in to the country. So here is uh, Joe Biden cut 73. This cannot wait. Congress needs to pass supplemental funding for Ukraine before they break for the holiday resources. Simple as that. Frankly, I think it's stunning that we've gotten to this point in the first place. While Congress, Republicans in Congress are willing to give Putin the greatest gift he could hope for and abandon our global leadership, <clears throat> not just Ukraine, but beyond that. If Putin takes Ukraine, he won't stop there. It's important to see the long run here. He's going to keep going. He's made that pretty clear. If Putin attacks a NATO ally, if he keeps going, and then he attacks a NATO ally, where we've committed as a NATO member that we defend every inch of NATO territory, then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today. American troops fighting Russian troops. American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. Okay, I think the chance of that happening is much greater 
the longer this war continues because accidents happen. Um, things can happen on purpose or by or, or not not on purpose. And as long as there's a battle going on right now, a war going on right now, I think there's a better chance of a, of a NATO country becoming involved again, intentionally or unintentionally and uh, unintentionally. Uh, and, and that would spark World War Three. Let's settle this. Let's stop it. Let's end it. And and I, I'm not saying abandon Ukraine. Let's say, OK, hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's just figure out what Russia will get, what Russia won't get. Let's stop it. Let's have some kind of talks. Let's try it. Try it. Nope. Nope. Not if you listen to Joe Biden. Putin must be defeated. I'm surprised today he didn't say Putin must be kicked out of power, which is a fantasy on his part. Here's cut 74. We can't let Putin win. Say it again. We can't let Putin win. It's in our overwhelming national interest and international interest of all our friends. Any disruption in our ability to supply Ukraine clearly strengthens Putin's position. We've run out of money to be able to do that in terms of authorization. Extreme Republicans are playing chicken with our national security, holding Ukraine's funding hostage to their extreme partisan border policies. Let me be clear. We need real solutions. I support real solutions at the border. I put forward a comprehensive plan the first day I came into office. I made it clear that we need Congress to make changes to fix what is a broken immigration system, because we know, we all know it's broken. And I'm willing to do significantly more. But in terms of changes of policy and to provide resources we need at the border, I'm ready to deal, change policy as well. I've asked for billions of dollars for more border agents, more immigration judges, more asylum officers. Immigration, uh, uh, more judges and more asylum officers. Now, he says immigration border agents, but that's not to keep people out. That's to escort them once they're in. Believe me, believe me, everything Trump had in place, he destroyed uh, on his first day in office or the first week in office or whatever. So they love this. They love it. They love what's happening. Barack Obama, I say Barack Obama because, in my opinion, as you know, I think he's running the country. Barack Obama loves what's happening in our cities. He adores it. It's chaos. If you live in America and you're living in a city or near a city, you know what's happening. If you live in a suburb, you may know what's happening. People, I just read a story in New York. They kicked people out of a gosh darn nursing home. To put in illegals, a veteran, 80-something-year-old veteran, kicked out. Like, how could that even be? They love it. They love the chaos. They love the destruction. They love the, 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 the infighting where, you know, believe me, chaos is what the left wants. And they're getting it. They're getting it. So... The, you hear them rip Republicans, ripping Republicans. OK, uh, here's cut 75. Republicans have to decide if they want a political issue, if they want a solution at the border. Do they really want a solution? It cannot be sustained as it is now. We need a real solution. And my team has been engaged in negotiations 
with Senate Democrats and Republicans on border security. Democrats. Democrats have put forward a bipartisan compromise on the table. Leaders Schumer and Senate Democrats also have offered to let Republicans propose amendments to that border proposal. But Republicans have objected and said, no, we, we, we don't want you to even introduce your proposal because then we're not going to, And even though the Democrats say you can amend it any way you want. No, no, we don't want to do that. This has to be a negotiation. Republicans think they get everything they want without any bipartisan compromise. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. And now they're willing to literally kneecap Ukraine on the battlefield and damage our national security in the process. They think they could get anything they want, Republicans. They're willing to kneecap Ukraine in the middle of the batting, uh, battlefield. They think they could get anything they want. They're re- willing to risk national, America's national security. Rips, 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 blames, 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 blames. But then it's a good old Uncle Joe shows up. Let's just put our differences aside. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But here's cut 76. Look, I know we have our divisions at home. Let's get past them. This is critical. Petty, partisan, angry politics can't get in the way of our responsibility as a leading nation in the world. And literally, the entire world is watching. The entire world is watching. What will the United States do? And think if we don't support Ukraine. What's the rest of the world going to do? What's Japan going to do, which is supporting Ukraine now? What's going to happen in terms of the G7? What's going to happen in terms of our NATO allies? What are they going to do? If we walk away now, <clears throat> we'll only embolden other would-be aggressors. <clears throat> so I'm calling on Congress to do something and do the right thing. By the way, could I ask, what are our NATO allies doing? Why is it incumbent upon us, and if not alone, certainly? The overwhelming percentage. Why are we the ones giving all the money and equipment? I mean, I know there are other countries giving some, but I mean, you know, people talk about, I love it. People talk about, oh, we give $3 billion a year to Israel. You could have given Israel the $3 billion for the last 75 years. And it doesn't come, it doesn't come close to what we've given Ukraine for this war. So, you know, enough with that. <laughs> I, again, Accountability. That's what I'm looking for. A plan. If the plan is to beat Russia, to defeat Putin, and just keep it going in perpetuity until that happens, how's that work? How are you going to beat Putin? You're not going to beat Putin. It's just not going to happen. So, again, we need a plan. And did you, did you love the way, you know, oh, we have our differences? Yeah, you spelled them out. You villainize the Republicans for the whole seven-minute speech, and then at the end you say, oh, let's put our differences aside. That was a great way to build to it, wasn't it? Now, he was asked a question about Hunter, business dealings, China, money, and um, Uncle Joe didn't like that too much. And Uncle Joe, in my opinion, uh, lied through his teeth. I won't say false teeth, fake teeth. I don't know what they are. I don't want to know. Uh, but, <laughs> but here it is. Here's cut 72. 
Anyway, I'll talk to you more after the also China. President Biden on Ukraine and also China. Uh, there is polling by the Associated Press that shows that almost 70% of Americans, including 40% of Democrats, believe that you acted either illegally or unethically in regards to your family's business interests. Can you explain to the Americans, uh, to Americans submit this impeachment inquiry, why you interacted with so many of your son and brother's foreign business associates? I'm not going to comment that I did not. And it's just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of their lies. business associates? I did not. There's what? lies. Lies. Wait a minute. That's the name of, uh, no, They're Lying is the name of our, um, our, our guest book before. Okay. I want to get this in because I mentioned this to the congressman earlier. Um, just the bashing and trashing of Christians in this country and, and Speaker Johnson. Uh, because he's a Christian. Uh, I want you to listen to James Carville, longtime Democratic strategist, you know, Obama guy, Clinton guy, the whole thing. Um, here he was. Just listen to this. Here's cut 27. You're talking about Christian nationalism. That's absolutely. Talking about this, is, this, is a, this is a, a bigger <clears throat> threat than al-Qaeda to this country. They, and let me tell you something. They have Speaker of the House. They got probably at least two Supreme Court justices, maybe more, right? Don't kid yourself. And, and people in the press have no idea who this guy is, how he was formed, what the threat is. And this is a fundamental threat to the United States. It is a fundamental, they don't believe in the constitution. They'll tell you that, Mike Johnson himself says, what is democracy but, but two wolves and a lamb having lunch? That's what they really, really, really believe. And to say, oh, come on, man, that's just some crazy shit. No, no. They, they believe that, and they're coming, and they've been doing it forever. They're funded. That, that was a Ben Franklin thing. Put that aside. Worse than Al-Qaeda, these Christians. Oh, they got two of them on the Supreme Court. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we were talking about, again, you know, Muslims? Oh, these were these. I'm telling you, these radical. There were, there's two of them. There's four of them in Congress. There's one on the Supreme Court. I mean, can you imagine talking like that? Never happened. Christians, it's open season. It's fair game. It's always been always been. I've been so outspoken as a Jew about what Christians have gone through, not only in this country, but in 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 African countries where they're slaughtered regularly. I've done show after show for 25 years on, on that, that topic and that issue. And the media couldn't care less. People, for the most part, don't care. And I, I, I just can't understand it. I just can't. But I don't understand a lot these days. Folks, God willing, we'll do it tomorrow. We'll review tonight's debate, which is going on right now. Uh, Jason o, uh, o, Olborn is next, of course. And I'm Steve Malsberg. Tell your friends, tell your enemies tomorrow, God willing, 9 p.m. Eastern, right back here on TNT Radio Vision.